You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, guys and gals. Uh, your Monday here, uh, i got to be honest, this, having football back made Monday a little more tolerable. Um, and look, you know, we'll, we'll get a football game this week. Uh, obviously, the following weekend, we'll you know, get into everybody playing preseason games. Um, you know, Mondays stink, but uh, they should be a little bit better with football. Obviously, to you know, make Mondays you know, all the more tolerable. Uh, tolerable. Uh, Pete Smith, along with the ride, your local experts. On the biggest stories, uh, at underscore Pete Smith, at BrownsMaven on Twitter, BrownsMaven.com. Make sure you sign up, be a member over there, help Pete out. iTunes rating reviews, subscribe, leave a, leave a rating, I'm sorry, drop a rating, leave a written review. Help us out over there as we get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Brought to you by Hotels.com. Uh, use Hotels.com. Get rewarded. Still some time. Quick getaway, long getaway. You need something if you're out of town and you're headed to Cleveland for one of the eight games in First Energy this year or one of the nine, maybe the ten. Use Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, Pete, a lot, lot, lots to get to, and I have a lot here on the slate I want to get to. And you know, obviously tomorrow night, guys, uh, you listeners have a chance to be as big a part of this as anything else so i mean feel free you know obviously all day tomorrow flood with some ideas you know as obviously the players are getting their first day off after uh thursday friday saturday sunday monday after five days on so they're gonna get the first day off obviously tomorrow uh you know rest up the joints or whatever uh pete um yeah we now we're starting to get a little bit of a vibe, and look, you can't just say camp is what a guy is. You know, this is me. You know, obviously, there's a million things coming at Freddie Kitchens right now, a million miles an hour, um, as he is a first-time head coach. You know, last year he was just the quiet guy who was the running back coach that two schleps kept calling Todd for God's sakes. I don't know whatever happened to those two schmucks, but uh, you're starting to see in. I don't want to say like he's getting flustered, but there's times where it's, you know, it's the media every single day. And then the fact that you're working, I mean, you're talking about a 90-man roster and you're getting questions from all over the place. Uh, You're just starting to see, and maybe even Freddie could use a day off here. And, you know, because it's weird you have to think about this because, you know, you're a head coach and you just think about worrying about your team and everything you got to do. But there are certain media responsibilities and other, there's so many other aspects of being a head coach that, you know, Freddie's still trying to get integrated into as well. Um, I don't know if I'd say he's uncomfortable because a lot of the time he's like apologetic that he can't answer the question the way he thinks the media wants him to on certain things because he just doesn't have the information uh, that he hopes to have. The one thing that sort of rankled him a little bit are the questions about injuries. Um, You know, that seemed to bother him, you know, basically trying to get information that, you know, at this point is no one's, you know, responsibility to give out. I mean, it's, that becomes, you know, if the player wants to tell you, he can. But other than that, it's not a big deal. Or it's not like it's, you know, there's no injury report, as he put it, uh, which, by the way, is its own fiasco since it's entirely built for gambling. Uh, but that sort of bothered him. But for the most part, he seems like he's trying like hell to give the best answers he can. And then he gets sort of annoyed that, you know, he can't answer it in a way that he seems like he wants to help them do the job, but gets annoyed when he can't. It's, it's sort of a weird dynamic overall. Um, 
it's interesting listening to him talk. I think he's getting a little bit into that Belichick mode where there's a lot of repeating of uh, and and shorter answers uh, to some certain questions. There's some others where it's you get an interesting explanation, like uh, the way he was describing the situation with right guard, uh, which did not sound very good. The way he described it, basically, he was asked, you know. We'll have one, uh, essentially, is what it sounded like. <laughs> well, he, he was basically asked if anyone has taken the lead on that, and he basically said no. And, and you know, would uh, you know would he like somebody to sort of grab that job, you know, by the short and curlies? And the answer is yes. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, that, you know, doesn't sound great right now. I mean, certainly it's early, but, you know, I'd like to see – uh, that he's sort of happy with three guys or two guys or whatever, as opposed to none of them are really separating. So that's, um, I, I suppose, the concerning thing uh, that's coming out of, or at least from what he's saying. But other than that, for the most part, it seems to be largely good stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think. It, he was... Uh, there was something else that was irritating, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, and it, it wasn't like a super big deal, but it just seemed to, to bother him uh, in the way it was sort of brought up to him. He seems just in talking that he'd be more comfortable. You know, I, I know maybe if it wasn't all the cameras around, you know, if it was just like, look, here are the answers. You know, this is what I can give you. And you do see, and you see this a little bit of frustration with anybody. It's, you know, they think they have the perfect question. And they, Freddie can't give a, give a, them the answer without giving up something that he doesn't want to give up. And then the next person tries a rephrased question, and like that. I mean, look, that is frustrating. And you know, and other than just being a jerk and saying, "No, no, new topic, please." You know, I mean, so you know, and the last thing you want to do as you know a, a brand new head coach with everything that's going on here is you know, get to a point where any of these media members get upset with you because, you know, as we've talked about this a million times before, a lot of time they end up with, you know, the final word. Um, one of the things, Pete, and, you know, and you're you're not this type of guy. I'm not ty- this type of guy. Um, a guy commits a penalty, taking a lap. Like, I just, you know, I understand you want to discipline players, but for me, it's, you know, that's the equivalent of, you know, if if Joel Batonio and got you know and only using Joel because he is one of the best players on this team, you know if, to me that's akin to if Joel Batonio had a false start on a play, are you going to take him off the field for a play? It's I, I mean like I, I when you're a professional you realize you screwed up and even if it's a bottom of the roster guy maybe I get it like look you you were afforded zero mistakes, but you know telling a guy to take a lap you know when it, I mean they're pros. It, it, I don't know. It just seems mundane and a waste of everybody's time. Um, I, I just don't. I, I think it, fan some certain elements of fans love it because they, you know, they think that it's like some hard ass discipline thing. But like, you know, the goal is what is it supposed to accomplish? If if the goal here is to get them to sort of focus, I guess that makes sense. But like. It, it all depends on what it is like mental mistakes where, you know, the guy's not, you know, thinking and he makes a mental mistake because he's not focused. Like doesn't know the count like that stuff. I get when it's like an aggressive penalty, like, you know, in this case, it's a false start because you got miles Garrett across from you and you're, you're trying to get every bit out of it. And it's just, you're, you're leaving a hair early to try to get out of the way. 
or offside. You know, you, you jump because you're trying to get get uh, get off the ball as fast as possible. Like that stuff. The last thing I want is to like send the message of, well, get off the ball slow. You know that type of stuff and. mental mistakes are what would infuriate me uh personal fouls certainly uh that would be something that i would 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 want to deal with in that in a similar fashion but like aggressive penalties like holding um look the goal is here you want guys to have you know move their feet use their technique but if a guy gets beat if he just gets straight beat and, and and not holding means Baker Mayfield's going to get decked. Grab. I mean, hold on, hold, and and you know, do the best you can to make sure your quarterback doesn't kill killed. And and I, I don't think that stuff is helpful. Uh, you know, in the NFL, obviously they have a million. You know, they have ninety players, so it's very easy to put somebody else in the next rep. You know, at lower levels where you don't have that many players, all it does all it really does for like, let's say high school is uh make pra- take a practice time that you don't have like you want to get as many reps as possible so like taking time to do that seems like a, a giant waste to me but you know i i understand you know if there's one thing i can sort of say makes sense about it it's consistency and message like he's very big about discipline he's very big about uh, avoiding mental mistakes. He's very big about get you know eliminating penalties and turnovers and those type of things. And you know overall, I appreciate the message. I'm just not. I, I don't personally agree with the methodology. I don't find it very effective. Like uh, you know, you, you mentioned Batonio. You know, if Batonio false starts, it's not because he's like not trying. Uh, it's he made a mistake. Like. I, you know, to me, the you you, you don't you, the guy isn't tr- guys aren't trying to make mistakes, so it, like that type of stuff it doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, but you know, that's a, I, I get a small disagreement I have. I just don't find it very effective. But that's the way he's going with it, at least for now. I, I don't know if that will change, uh, but that's something to sort of keep an eye on. Yeah, and if it's uh, yeah, I, I'm just never a fan of it with pros. Um, you know. You know the mistake you made, um, and exactly. I mean, look, uh, you know what is every left tackle taught? If you're beat by his third step, you better, you know, care enough about your quarterback to do something. I mean, and yelling "duck" ain't gonna freaking do it. So you know, you do what you do, and hey, you hope somehow, some way, somebody's eyes were somewhere else and they missed it, and maybe you get away with it. But you got to do what you can, I, and especially now that you finally have the franchise quarterback, you got to do what you can to uh, protect him. Um, just a quick one here, Pete. Um, Odell obviously wasn't a part of team drills today, and that's probably a good idea because, a, you've got to, you know, you can't fall in love, you know, with the with the new girl in school, so to speak. Um, you know, so you got to, and you know, it gives everybody else a chance, obviously, you know, to ma- get the reps in. You know, Higgins, the Joku, Landry, all of that. Um, but it might be time where Miles Garrett um, doesn't need to take every team rep because. And Miles is actually good about it. Like, he realizes how quick he may have blown something up, and he kind of just stops. But uh, it, it may be time for Miles Garrett to, you know, get some less reps in the team, period. Right. Freddie Kitchens uh, gave a good explanation on this. And, and and honestly, this is something that Hugh Jackson talked about last year, as much as I, I, I don't like Hugh Jackson. He was actually very good on this particular issue, at least his first year in particular. He was too- but talking about 
sort of that team reps as well. Contact the limit of exposure, those type of injuries. Yeah, certainly, you know, this is a guy that uh, you're going to take care of in there. And uh, that, that, the, the, the notion that you want to sort of schedule those days off is, or, or light days, however you want to put it, is good. I mean, I like the fact in there, uh, and you list of all and, and for the last few years, uh, you know, straddling coaching staffs, this has been an area where the Browns have been very successful. They have not had uh, a bunch of serious injuries in camp, and they've not had a bunch of guys, you know, ultimately go down for the year in these types of situations, and certainly not the guys they need to be great. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett, if you, you know, his rookie year got stepped on awkwardly, but that's about as bad as it's gotten in terms of preseason or, or training camp stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are probably somebody out there that's complaining that he's not getting enough reps or something, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I'm glad that Kitchens has a plan to sort of take guys out of harm's way in certain respects, uh, but I can appreciate the fact that, you know, you're still getting in that indie work. You're still getting a, your practice. So you are still engaged in practice, which is certainly good. I mean, I, I don't think I'm worried about Odell Beckham not being engaged, uh, but that sort of gives him uh, an easy way to sort of interact and, and sort of help coach up his teammates as he and Jarvis Landry sort of make it a, made a point of early on in this whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, kudos on that. It's, it's, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that Freddie got the idea from Hugh Jackson, but certainly it's an idea that is carried over, uh, and I'm glad that is the case. And you look, and especially you know, you brought uh, the point with Odell. And Odell did nothing the entire summer of his rookie year. He sat out the first four weeks of his rookie year. Uh, showed up for an Atlanta Falcons game week five, had about four or five receptions, scored a touchdown, and that it was off. It was off and running after that for Odell Beckham. So, yeah, you don't have any concerns there. And the other thing is you're going to have to do it to Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett is the most unassuming superstar probably in the NFL, and he views himself 100% of I am one of the 90. So, you know, I, you know, when my number's called, I got to do it. Sometimes I'm going to just say, hey, you know, no, look, it's. It, I ain't worried about now. It's July. I ain't worried about July. I ain't really worried about August, Miles. I'm worried about Tennessee. That's what we're worried about. Get yourself everything you got to do to be ready to go face whatever schlep left tackle the Tennessee Titans throw out there week one. Pete, uh, tell the folks all about uh, Blue Chew. We'll get in a bunch more here in a second, guys. So it's Hall of Fame week. Uh, you know, we're getting ready for the Hall of Fame game. So if you want to make the spouses Hall of Fame, uh, do yourself a favor and, and 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 call up the good people at Blue Chew. That's uh, blue, like the color blue. Uh, blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the FDA-approved active ingredient, uh, the same as Viagra and Cialis. Uh, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, including Thursday, when uh, the NFL season sort of unofficially kicks off with the Hall of Fame festivities. So. Do yourself a favor, uh, call the folks at Blue Chew, uh, nice and discreet in terms of, uh, you know, getting a prescription and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, if you're not making the uh, Spouses Hall of Fame, uh, somebody else may be, as Jeff has found out on numerous occasions. So uh, get in touch with the Blue Chew folks uh, and uh, check out, put in the uh, lockdown code, uh, L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps. 
And yes, uh, capital L locked, capital O, and locked on for the promo code. And look, I mean, you want, you know, look, if you want the bronze jacket worthy performance, you want the bust, have the folks at Blue Chew help you out. Always appreciate the sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Okay, Pete, there's a numerous ways we can go around here, but uh, I guess I'm going to go to this one here. Uh, Taki Taki in his Cal Ripken Ironman streak. Today it's Stump Mitchell. Um, team period. I mean, it just, it, it, he, it, I mean, if they decide that they need somebody to help out Joe Schobert in first and ten in obvious rundowns, uh, you know, obviously to run, you know, possibility to downs, early downs of that nature, he's there, and, I mean, it's, we kind of knew this, but it's this guy just brings a thunder. Play in, play out, and you need that at a linebacker position. Uh, you know, you didn't really have it last year. You just want that guy who just you know literally plays with almost a reckless abandon and does not give a damn about his own body. Right. Um, so look, he has certainly uh, provided a, a good uh, first impression in terms of potentially being able to play that Mike linebacker position. Uh, I, I still think that is their dream that he takes over that Mike backer position. And, and in, in that scenario, I'm hoping that they look at Schobert as the potential will. Uh, he is playing the same way he played. If you watch his tape at BYU, um, you know, he is a guy that, uh, you're going to have to tone down as opposed to turn up. And certainly if you have to choose between the two, you're always going to want the guy who, who you have to sort of moderate and govern a little bit as opposed to the guy you have to sort of find a way to get him to perform. Um, I, again, I think this is one of those deals where, you know, they, they may not like it at times, but they're really whispering or uh, talking to themselves in coaches meetings about how much they love what he brings in sort of intensity. And, and at times, that's going to rub guys the wrong way. And certainly it, it, you know, there are situations where, you know, if you're a coach and, and, and you feel like, you know, there's a play, a player who's, you know, doing something essentially what you feel is too much or dirty or whatever, uh, you're going to react and sort of stand up for your guys. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't get caught up too much in this whole, you gotta, you know, teach them how to practice and crap, but, because I think once you get the pads on, he's essentially doing what you really want him to do. And, and at times, maybe he goes a little too far. Hopefully, it doesn't get to a point where he becomes a dirty player uh, and, and earns a reputation for that. But hopefully, he's just a you know that that hard ass, red ass guy who's always going a hundred percent. So when the game does come on, he's a guy who's you know very easy to want to watch uh, in terms of what he's able to do. I, I'm not surprised at all that he's doing well in run defense and stuff like that. The big question for him, you know, it's, it's, you know, that he's got the speed, he's got the strength and all that stuff. It's a question of how much can he develop in terms of the passing game? Uh, Because right now, or at least coming out of college, he had so little exposure to it that, you know, there are people are going to be like, man, I I want this guy to get on the field as much as possible and all this. And, and if they bring on a third backer, I still think he's going to ultimately end up being that guy. Uh, but you can't you don't want Ray Maluga out there, which is, you know, essentially a guy who who plays, you know, a down and a half uh, and then is completely worthless uh, in passing situations because then you just you know, you're going to get picked on. So I think most of the 
early impressions with Taki Taki are great. They're certainly in a positive direction, but I think uh, before, you know, people get too excited, it's really going to come in terms of how effective he is in terms of being able to contribute in pass defense and offer something. Because if, if he can't do that, it becomes very difficult to put him on the field. Uh, the thing with Sione and, you know, it, it, the best thing for him is he better be sitting in every meeting with Joe Schobert. Um, go from there. And, you know, look, I mean, have that voice come where it's more of an equal as opposed to you're being spoken to as a student from the teacher. Uh, that would be a good, good thing for him to be doing. Um, if Sione Takitaki was a second-year guy, a third-year guy, nobody would give a crap about this. They wouldn't. A lot of it, it is is like, you know, it's the old, hey, rookie, chill. You're a rookie. But, you know, same respect. You're going to want to go to war with a guy like this on Sunday. And today with Stump Mitchell. Stump Mitchell saying, look, man, don't be getting too wise. You know, uh, I've, got my be- I've got my best bullet out here, but my number two bullet and my number three bullet are sitting on the side because they're nursing some, you know, nursing some injuries right now. So, you know, let's see what happens if you, you were facing, uh, you know, if you were also facing Mr. Hunt, if you were also facing Duke Johnson on a screen or on a wheel route. So, it, you know, you know where it's coming from, from Stump, Stump Mitchell. And it's like, look, don't take out my third guy. Whatever you do, please don't take out my third guy. Uh, so that is, you know, where it's at with that. And obviously with Taki. Um, Pete, this one yesterday. Um, and it, it, look, it does seem weird. And look, Pete nor I, neither one of us were at practice yesterday. So any one of us questioning Chad Thomas's work ethic, it was not Peter I. We were not there yesterday, so we were not the receive. We were not the intended target of said bird. But the heckling of players, and this is where it's you know almost a detriment that you know practices are open to the public, which is great, and I am totally for it. But you get somebody that does this, and you get a guy like Chad Thomas who was drafted too high, so now there's more on his shoulders than ever probably should have been, and he's doing everything, he's trying to do everything he can, and ends up starting a mini brawl, which makes the entire team run, which gets everybody, you know, you, you never you never want to have to make all 90 run because of something you did, and then somebody, you know, calls him out, and the next thing you know, he's flipping a bird to the fans, but the I, I just don't, you know, it's a great experience that everybody gets to go and see this. You know, the heckling just seems a little bit weird in that type of environment. Right. So, you know, you go to training camp, it's free if you get these, you know, tickets. Uh, and you're watching guys literally practice. So if you're getting upset with players because they're not doing something. In right, practice. In practice. Quite literally working on it right there um, in front of you. Um, yeah, I, heckling theoretically what is supposed to be the team you're rooting for, I find bizarre uh, at the very least. Um, at the, When they're practicing, I don't know, you know, what has gone wrong in this person's life that they're so unhappy with themselves that they're going to a football practice to, you know, with the, with the mindset of, man, I am going to let this guy have it. Uh, you know, the... You almost know it's a Lockdown Browns listener, too. That's the worst part. Um, <laughs> could, could be. Um, so, there's a couple things here. First, look, you can't acknowledge hecklers uh, because it's only going to encourage them. And, and you know, there's going to be some other jackass who's going to go and think, oh, well, you know, 
I'm going to get Chad Thomas to respond to me today. Um, I'm going to start having, making DJ jokes or something of that nature. Right. Um, having said all of that, uh, you know, I was listening to like Mary Kay Cabot, like basically tried to implore Freddie Kitchens to get uh, Chad Thomas to apologize for flipping off a heckler. Like, one, get over it and move on. You know, somebody heckled him, and, and and if the worst thing he gets is being flipped off, fine, uh, that's great. But the other part of that is, you know, is Greg Williams going to come back and apologize for every F-bomb he dropped in practice? Like, you know, T.J. Carey uh, is a guy who's loud in terms of things he yells at, uh, you know, at himself or whatever. Uh, like, there has to be some sort of some amount of you understand what's going going to happen at these things, or if if you're uncomfortable with that, don't go because welcome to 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 reality. There, I mean, if you're that close and guys start you know getting upset with each other, you're going to hear all kinds of things, um, and you know it. it it's it's a little different than it used to be, but I mean, like there are plenty of areas where it's like basically effectively a rope line between you and the field, and you know stuff can spill over there pretty quickly. So it's just one of those things that just seems so stupid. If Chad Thomas wants to apologize, great, he can apologize. But the idea that he needs to apologize, he doesn't. And the only thing Chad Thomas needs to do is. Work on being a better football player. Uh, work on, you know, doing what he needs to do to showcase, show that he's worthwhile to be a member of this team. And I think what happens is a guy like Chad, Chad Thomas does this. And for people who are already, you know, inclined to dislike Chad Thomas, it's a very easy thing to sort of grab onto in the same way that, you know, Chad Thomas isn't good. Well, it must be because of his music. No, it's just he's not good. I mean, maybe it, it, is it possible that he's too focused on something else and that's why he's not performing well, I guess. But again, we talked about this with good players who have other interests and they're Renaissance men or whatever. And it's, Ooh, look how talented this guy is and how impressive he is. So, uh, you know, I think this is an easy sort of uh, thing to sort of grab onto as a reason he's struggling or whatever. Uh, all I'm concerned with is be a better football player uh, and get criticized for that. Uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, Trevor Bauer probably took the heat off him a little bit. Uh, but it's just to me, it's, it's <laughs> not a big deal. It's a bad look, but it's a bad look for the rest of the day. It's not something where, oh, no, you know, the, there's that Chad Thomas guy. It's week three of the season. You know, he didn't make that play. He's the guy who flipped the fans off. Like that stuff's just stupid and and meaningless. And look, and it's not going to change anything for me. I, I think the problem is is Chad Thomas. What his body should be should be an interior player. Uh, whether he's not trying to, whatever you know, he needs to be closer to three hundred pounds, and he needs to be closer to two sixty five, two sixty. He's not going to get. He's never going to be athletic enough to be that outside player. Um, maybe he'd be athletic enough to be a better inside player. Look, it's it is what it is. Uh, you know, obviously at this point he was overdrafted uh, on a team that started last year 0 16. He couldn't sniff a freaking rep, and so obviously you know I mean it's difficult for him right now. I mean he's you know his head right now has got to be a stinking 
mess and you know you go and get that when you're trying to deal with everything and you know to be honest with him getting fired up yesterday at practice that's one of the you know that's one of the most I mean that's probably the most Chad Thomas been talked about probably at any point on the field in his career to this point so I mean look I get it you know but you do this then he flips it off I mean there's kids there for God's sakes and yeah I mean you're gonna hear some things it's you know <laughs> you're talking about 90 men on a football field you add in coaches you had everything else you know it's 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 not a very nice environment. It's you know, you're not going to you know that was a well played that was a well played rep there defensive back thirty nine kudos to you. We're gonna line it up and see what happens. It just does not work that way. It's just it doesn't work that way. It is never going to work that way. Um, Pete um, set the valve uh, took a big hit today. Ninety nine percent sure it was Sheldrick Redwine. Uh, he walks off with the trainers. They're carrying his helmet. Just it. it, it makes the hill even higher for a guy like Seth DeValve because the one thing that's held Seth DeValve to this point has been injuries and then guys have passed him by and you know it's almost like here we are again with Seth DeValve. Uh yeah, there's an element of that. It doesn't sound like it's a big deal. Uh it's just frustrating because it's Seth DeValve is, you know, walking off the field again hurt. Um you know, the, the thing with him is he's got to be on the field. So I mean, hopefully it's not anything that keeps him out very long. Uh, the thing with him is you want him to either make or miss the team because he's out there and he's, he's either good enough or somebody is better than him. Not because, well, he's hurt and, you know, that would just be frustrating because he, he has, uh, his, uh, talent and the ability to do various things on this football team. So, you know, some of that is just the nature of the beast, uh, that is, you know, it's a, it's a full contact sport and, and guys get hit. So hopefully he's not out very long. Uh, it's, you know, but it, it's going to get a little more attention in that respect, just because it is set the valve. And he is a guy who has missed, uh, an annoying amount of time, uh, recently. So we'll see, uh, how, you know, how problematic that is and how long he's going to be out. It, it, you know, the way it was described, it didn't seem like it would hold him out very long. Well, I mean, the thing I worry about is, you know, look, if it's ultimately going to be, you want to, you know, they're going to move on from set the valve. You want him as healthy as possible. That's part of the issue. But if it, now this is another chink in the armor, so to speak, um, a guy that maybe you could have gotten, you know, and I'm not saying an asset, but a conditional pick, something for, and Seth could have maybe gone on somewhere and you know and contributed. I mean, the guy can, as a tight end, he he brings something to the receiving game. But uh, you know, it's you know, and everybody, uh, you know, you hear if you guys are, you know, if you look at anybody who covers another team and say, like, oh wow, these injuries are mounting up. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you, you know, you don't play this game at this level with hitting involved in such, you know, since you know, for almost everybody, uh, you know, everybody, most everybody's been off since January. It's uh, a lot to this game. Um, <laughs> it's. You know, the hits they come and they come really stinking hard. So it's you know it's not for everybody. Uh, support for Locked On Browns comes from Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Always make them look royal. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Locked On Capital L Capital O at Manscaping.com. That's twenty percent at manscaped.com with the promo code capital L locked capital O on appreciate the sponsorship of the show. Yeah. Take care of it. Get, get down there, Jeff, get down there. Uh, <laughs> with the, with the, 
30 free seconds I have per day. Yeah, my, by all means, that's the next thing on the list. Um, last thing before we get to listener questions, Pete. Um, Antonio Callaway, uh, it seems he's having a really hard time finding any first-team reps. Um, one of the issues is, look, Odell was going to cut into somebody's reps. Um, maybe to this point it's Antonio Callaway. Um, but even today, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is not in team period. So you think, okay, you're going to get a Landry, you're going to get a Higgins, you're going to get an Antonio Callaway. No, uh, it was actually Derek Willies getting most of that run with the first team. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, Antonio last year kind of got fast track. They moved on, uh, obviously, with Corey Col- Coleman quickly. And then, of course, Pete, you know, he got that slap on the wrist, whichever, you know, obviously, you know, the incident turned out to be nothing free, stock clear. He walked away from it by getting overused as a punishment. But, you know, Antonio Callaway now in his second year where you thought maybe, you know, obviously what he did last year, you thought you really had an asset there. But, you know, right now, just a little bit of limbo. I mean, maybe we'll see. It's going to be weird because maybe we'll see a good chunk of him week one of the preseason. Hell, he may be wide receiver week one of the preseason. Um, but it, it, it's it's interesting from that point that you, know, you, you figured you were going to see a nice progression and a nice push for Antonio Callaway in year two. But right now, kind of maybe use the term, I guess I would say stuck in neutral, so to speak. Well, I mean, look, uh, Antonio Callaway came here with a lot of question marks, uh, not just off the field, but on the field. Uh, you know, he had a lot of developing to do in terms of getting better with his hands. He had a lot of development doing in terms of his route running. Um, and then, you know, then you get into the off field stuff and, you know, he had the six-game run at the end of the year, and he had a very good uh, OTA period. Um, and, it, you know, it's a lot of us got very excited about him that it would just keep going up and up and up. And, and, and he still may well do that. But the thing, you know, hopefully it's not, you know, the issues that held him back in college where it's not working as hard as he should and, and those type of things. But – you know, there are still issues to hammer out, and particularly route running wants to be like uh, an issue that he needs to continue. Ultimately, he under work hard, sort of earn it, that he can't sort of coast. Uh, and those things. Um, it's five five days or six days now, it's certainly preseason. Uh, I think in some respects, Freddie Kitchens deserves a lot of credit for some of what he was able to do last year because I think some of it was schemed. So, you know, I, I want to see what happens. I want to see if he can sort of get through it and, 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 you know, come stronger on the other side. They don't need him necessarily to be great right now, but so they have the ability to sort of really force him to uh, take those extra steps to be a, a better player. And maybe this is, this is going to force him to do that. Uh, it, it remains to be seen if it will. It may be just a little bit of a, a slump. Maybe it's a, you know, a lack of focus, perhaps, these early days. And maybe he's sort of frustrated with uh, what he felt like was going to be more of a role early. Uh, but, you know, hopefully the day off tomorrow and then back at it that he can come out and, and do some of the things that he was showcasing early in OTAs where everybody's talking about how great he was and he was one of the you know stars of that stuff. So, we shall see. I, I I don't think we're at a point now where you're worried about it, but it's just something to sort of monitor, I suppose. 
Uh, that being said, he actually did have a you know pretty good day today in the reps he had with the second team unit, some jet sweeps. Uh, you know, he's got them nice little quick small feet on the sideline, um, and he was actually matched up with Greedy Williams a ton today, which you know may not be the best you know match uh, matchup for Antonio unless he's trying to go deep. So uh, you know it's you know interesting in that respect. Um, but you know that's one guy you know, and obviously you know with the history that he had you know, uh, at, in colleges, you don't want a guy like that to feel like he's maybe lost his way a little bit because then maybe that's when you get a little bit concerned about, you know, him maybe losing his way off the field after he's worked so hard to get his way, you know, back right correctly. So it's just, you know, look, we're going to cover every aspect. So that's obviously something to check as we move on here. Um, got some listener questions here, um, at luck buck. And he's always good. I always bring some good ones here. Um, since both sides of the ball will take a step up this year, Pete, is it crazy to think that possibly both units could finish top 10? Ken Wilkes and his scheme, and can he properly roll the dice in the secondary where this does happen? It's possible, but unlikely. Um, I think by virtue of the fact that um, if the Browns are are top 10 offense and they're putting up a lot of points, they're going to be theoretically in positions where they're giving up garbage yards or Both Bengals games last year, prime example. Yeah. Or, you know, or it's a high scoring affair or, or the other team has to, to throw it a lot to move the ball to, to catch up or whatever. You beat uh, Arizona by 20, but Arizona accumulates 475 total yards. Right. So like, it's, you know, it's really hard to dominate at both phases. Now, if you do it, obviously that tells you, you know, you're a really goddamn fo- good football team, and then you become sort of a you know a, a favorite uh, to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's what that would do to you. So it's not impossible. It's just really difficult to do. And it's, you know, the best thing that can happen would be the Browns, you know, get up by thirty and start taking guys out uh, basically when the fourth quarter starts, and you know that may lead to a bunch of yards being given up. Uh, you know, it, it, where I, I you know in terms of Official rankings, as I suppose, as opposed as opposed to where te- uh, they are regarded among teams, then yeah, I think they could be a, a a top ten on both sides of the ball. Now they have to go out and prove it. I think the secondary still has enough enough questions where you're sitting there going, hey, "We'll see." Uh, and the offensive line has some question marks that could could hold that back. But uh, it's definitely possible. It's just unrealistic. I, I think one way or the other. You know, if one is super dominant, the other is going to suffer at least a little bit. I mean, what you would really need is you would need the defensive line, and it's that possibility is there. But you need you would need absolute total dominance from them, and you're talking maybe twelve out of sixteen games where it was just to the point where the quarterback was essentially saying, you know, look, it's it's dink and dump, dink and dunk time because I'm getting freaking killed back here. And if you think I'm going to, you know, we're down 20. And if you think I'm going to take a seven step drop to try to drill a 25 yard, you know, skinny post. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that for the sake of going to fight another day. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, look, ain't, ain't nobody going to be unhappy if it does work out that way, but we'll see. Um, and he has another one here, and this is actually, I, I like this one as well. What position coach on offense, on defense, will have the biggest effect on their side of the ball? Uh, defensively, I pray it's Tosh Lapoy. Yep. Because um, it's a big job, um, but that rotation up front is critical. Uh, last 
here they didn't do it, whether that was a Clyde Simmons issue, that was a Greg Williams issue, some combination thereof. Um, that was unacceptable to have those ma- that many reps, especially in the first half of the season, where basically uh, Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi were left on the field, basically, you know, to to wither and die out there in games, uh, was just stupid, uh, and and had negative effects on them later in the year. Uh, so there's no question that it's Tosh Lapoy on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, you can talk about Al Holcomb and linebackers, but it, it, you know that's fine. It's just not going to come anywhere close to what they're asking that defensive line to do. They're moving guys around more. Hopefully, uh, certainly they flip the ends quite a bit. Hopefully they're going to move miles Garrett inside uh, for a lot of pass rushes. So that job becomes critical and, uh, you know, being able to sub effectively to maximize those guys and get them on the field, hugely important. Um, Offensively. uh, I think it's safe to say it's James Campen. Uh, He has, the least amount of proven talent relative to how many guys he has to have out in the field at once. Um, they've got two really good linemen. Um, and the early uh, word or the early reviews on Greg Robinson are very, very good. Uh, but you've still got a right tackle and you've still got a right guard that have to be sorted out. I mean, the receivers uh, coach Adam Henry has pressure by virtue of the fact he's got to get all these guys to perform, but, it's not for lack of talent. And the same thing with Stump Mitchell. He's not lacking for talent in the running back room. And, and the quarterback's coach has has a very good quarterback. So both sides of the ball, it's 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 the line coaches. Uh, those are absolutely the most pressure and the most uh, potential impact. And obviously, James Campen is a very good offensive line coach. Uh, that that should provide immediate benefit. I think it's it, it, there's no secret he's uh, <clears throat> at least more well regarded. But I think the resume and in terms of his actual impact, he's done a, a much better job than the venerable Bob Wiley. Uh, Tosh Lapoy has more to prove, but at the same time, the 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 D line was handled so poorly last year that it it shouldn't take much to do better. Um, it, well, offensively, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I knew the two answers you were going to give, and I agree with you here. Uh, Mitchell and Henry, you're in a don't screw it up, keep it simple, stupid type of approach. Uh, y- you've got everything at your disposal, and you know, look, it's not like Freddie doesn't know these guys either, and you know, he knows what he's got weapon wise. This is more of you know just taking what needs to come from you know Monken, what needs to come from Freddie, and work that in your positional meetings. Make sure everybody's on the same page. Obviously the What's good for Henry is, you know, obviously Odell, Jarvis, they value him. Uh, Stump, look, it's, you know, he can, you know, Stump Mitchell was a running back who was a receiver first, was a running back second. So that works in this phase. And maybe that's an, you know, maybe that's an asset to Nick Chubb who, you know, can still work on becoming a better receiver Something nobody thought he could do, but what do you know? He didn't have you know, over 200 yards in you know, nine games as a running back. He found his way pretty well there, and if you saw today, you know he found his way as a running back. Nick Chubb's a smart cookie. Don't worry about him. Um, and now, look, yeah, exactly, uh, with you know the defensive line, look, right now you have seven. And if you look at Zettel, and, you know, obviously Coley can only do, you know, for him, he's best is probably going to be first and ten. Um, you have Jannard Avery, so you can go seven deep. 
So there should be a way here where, you know, Miles Garrett is not sucking air in the middle of the third quarter. Larry Ogunjobi feels so bad that he's got a torn bicep that, look, I'll keep playing because you guys need me. Look, you got at least seven right now that you can trust inside, outside. You Between the seven, you should be able to put up a decent defensive line of four, play in, play out. Make sure, and look, and that's maybe one of the advantages you have is he comes from Alabama where he had five stars upon five stars. It's not much different here. These guys are all, you know, essentially they're all on scholarship. Find a way to get them all involved. Um, next question. Um, if you don't, guys don't know the account Vintage Browns, um, he's great. Like a lot of stuff, it's old, it's classic, and, you know, I learn more about Browns history from Vintage Browns because of him. It's a nice account to follow, so if you're not doing that, go ahead, check that out. Which part of the schedule do you feel is the most challenging, beginning, middle, end? And with that answer, uh, Pete, we're going to put you on the spot here and ask you for a win total. But uh, We've talked about this. We know which part we think is the difficult. The first six games is brutal. Um, and, you know, and obviously a lot can change. And certainly there are teams you think are going to suck that are better than that. Uh, meanwhile, there are teams that you thought were going to be good that are that are going to be awful. Meanwhile, we both think the Bengals are going to suck, and the Bengals are going to suck. Um, they were going to suck, and with the injuries they now have, it's almost guaranteed they're going to suck. Right. So, <sighs> win total. I've got them at 11. Um, I think they will, uh, they will win a few games that maybe aren't expected. I also think they're going to lose a few games they shouldn't. Uh, I think if they can get through that first part of the season, that first six games, two and four, they'll be thrilled, three and three, and they're ec- ecstatic. And then the, the after you get past that bye week, I, I think they can get on a huge run uh, and win a ton of games in that part of the year. Uh, to, to really roll roll into you know at that point what would be a playoff uh, situation, they uh, the schedule sets up well for them to sort of get prepared, hopefully be healthy and and let them be really competitive uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I'm yeah exa- the beginning part that's the tough. I mean you're talking the Rams, you're talking Seattle, you're talking New England. Um, it's the question of getting all of this talent, and I don't want to say on the same page, but it's just finding a way for it to all fire and click where it's not, you know, you have some in-house that have been here for a little while. You obviously have brought in with Odell, with Sheldon, with Vernon. It's just finding a way where everything's cooking at this, you know, it's kind of like making a meal where everything comes out at the same time and everything's finished at the same time. If they hit the ground running, that's, it, it just makes it all more easy. But I mean, we're talking, you know, post-Halloween, I mean, it's, you know, they'll have plenty of Halloween candy and they're going to eat that crap all the way through week 17. At like, at like underscore sports six, um, you know, your Freddie related question, that was pretty much the intro and first 10 minutes of that show. So we pretty much covered everything you had there and do appreciate you for it. But, you know, first 10 minutes, you're going to have everything there. But I certainly wanted to give you the mention for uh, obviously, you know, reaching out and, you know, trying to get us something here to, you know, put into the rotation. Pete, uh, this is where we get to the point now. Look, uh, you know, obviously, you know, yesterday, now, but now you're a little more integrated into your schedule. League-wise, Browns-wise, anything on your chest, anything we've missed? Just uh, Jannard Avery's injury, uh, which is, there's no 
details on it. That's that was one of the things. That was what set Freddie Kitchens Brown, off. Brown's press release says an ankle. Meanwhile, you heard some people yesterday say calf. So, and look, we went through this with Gennard last year, and it was what was it about week two or week three of preseason, and then all of a sudden nobody knew what was going on, and Gennard Avery will be there week one, and he was there week one with a presence. Yeah, so, uh, again, not necessarily something to worry about, just sort of something to note. Well, and look, you're going to need that cog. You're going to need that um, unique look. I mean, if if he's one of the seven, which make this defensive line good right now, and look, <laughs> look you can never have enough between the outside, the inside, and especially guys that can rotate. So we'll find a way to uh, spice that up. We'll, we'll take a body or two more, no doubt about it. And... Uh, so, I mean, I have zero issues there, but you have seven, and having that rotation is going to make it easier for everybody to get the proper amount of rest. Pete, Browns, Maven, what's been in the hopper? Uh, so, right now, uh, there's a thing on Freddie Kitchens and sort of his early fingerprints uh, on practices and getting players to practice the way he wants. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. There, there's... Uh, a lot to sort of get to that, that I need to get to. Uh, but other than that, it's sort of taken as it comes. Nothing, you know, this is the one thing is like as excited as, as we all are for, for uh, training camp is there, there isn't a lot of earth shattering news to happen right now because there's so few spots that are really being uh, full out, full blown competitions. We know so many of the starters involved and it's a lot of these role players, which are super, super important. Uh, but it's not like, you know, it's certainly not a quarterback competition thing where you're going, oh, this guy had a great day. So this guy had a great day. Who's going to end up being the starter? Uh, it's certainly a lot more on the development aspect of players overall and getting them, uh, you know, getting units that are sort of largely established to just function at a high level. It's obviously, it's right guard. Maybe it is, you know, right tackle. Whether Kendall Lamb can maybe actually, you know, be a a presence, a pressure to um, Chris Hubbard. I mean, there's things of that aspect, but that's kind of where we're at. And make sure you're checking out everything on Twitter at Browns Maven, BrownsMaven.com. Make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, guys, we got to a ton today. I mean, we've given you a boatload um like i told you guys look start flooding me or the lockdown browns account starting tonight tomorrow look uh you know with the day off the players day off we'll we'll try to make this show as much as we can about you guys tomorrow anything you want answered um everybody take a deep breath enjoy it you know we're five days in and everybody is amped like there's no tomorrow which i truly understand and you should be i get it i totally get it i am i'm just enjoying being able to talk about football stuff here where we were trying to give you a great content, you know, day in, day out, but now we actually have, you know, the fuel essentially to do that for you guys. So I appreciate everybody for taking this ride with us. You know, obviously you've got Pete's information, the Locked On Browns Twitter account, 
at Lockdown Browns, all lowercase, follow. It's always a follow-back account. DMs are open there. DMs are open for my personal account, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Anything you need, feed it over that way. Uh, iTunes rating reviews, subscribe, rate, written reviews. Keep them coming. We're busting our butts for you guys because everybody's excited and a lot of people are along for the ride. The numbers just keep growing and growing with football actually being back, and I cannot be more excited for you. I cannot be more excited to put this product out to you day in, day out. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.